Hey, welcome to The Conversation, a podcast with a voice for and about women in business. I'm your host, Gina Simeon. The Conversation is brought to you by Single Throw Marketing, a digital-first Google Premier partnered agency. If you're ready for marketing that will blow your socks off, visit singlethrow.com. Hey, welcome back to The Conversation. I'm your host, Gina Simeone, and I'm a digital marketing consultant for Single Throw Marketing in Wall, New Jersey. Thanks so much for listening. This podcast focuses on some badass women who tell their stories about how they rose to the top of their company to be a VP or C-suite level position or entrepreneurs who have started their own businesses. We're going to talk to these women and hear their stories about how they climbed the ladder to get to where they are today. On our second episode of The Conversation, we have Megan Tarmy. Megan is the CEO and founder of The Caddy Group, formerly known as The Caddy Girls. Hey, Megan. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? Doing great. So Megan and I go way back, way back to the Coastal Carolina cheerleading days. Coach Gina, she was a brute. <laughs> We <laughs> oh, no. do a lot of push-ups, a lot of push-ups, a lot of laps. I admire it, though. It was fun. Thank God it was kind of before the social media days, right? Thank God. God. <laughs> so, speaking of the social media days, so everything has kind of been obviously in the last twenty. I think it, it's been almost twenty years. Holy cow! But in the last twenty years, um, digital has really kind of skyrocketed and taken off and so have you. So tell me a little bit about what you've been doing. Um, well, lately I, I do have a full-time job. I work in engagement and culture for one company. I also freelance and, and work trade shows for a, a few different companies all over. Obviously COVID put that on a halt last year. Um, and then I'm still running my business that I started when I was a junior at, at Coastal Carolina cheering um, with you. So uh, still running it's still slightly profitable, so um, just hanging in there throughout the pandemic, and, and now we're very, very busy. That's awesome. So tell me a little bit about the Caddy Girls. So I started it back when I was at Coastal. I think it was like 2007, and it was very informal. I didn't have a business plan. It was just uh, I needed to figure out a way to make money on the weekends to stay in school and, and make all those 7 a.m. runs with cheerleading and pay my bills and be able to stay in school. So I was working at all these bars in Myrtle Beach and beer tubs and shot girl. And I was like, who are these people in polos? And I want to work on a golf course and in order to hire me because of my schedule. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to make up something of my own where I can work with golfers somehow and just kind of won it. And it was like me and three other cheerleaders that uh, just caddying on the weekends. And it, it wasn't a formal business plan or a grand, you know, idea. It was a way to get through college. And then I just stayed with it and kept growing and progressing and growing and uh, all organically growing. So we ended up on Shark Tank about six years ago, which obviously catapulted us into a tremendous growth um, and recognition. So that kind of was a turning point that put us into, um, you know, more serious business. Wow. That's pretty impressive. So as a caddy, were you carrying bags for all the golfers just on random courses? So it, it just depends. So a lot of courses in Myrtle Beach at the time, they don't even allow you to walk because the amount of volume they're pushing through these courses. So essentially we're four caddies. And what a four caddy does is they do all the normal four caddy duties, except they're riding either on the back of the cart or um, on a spot, spot in the cart. And they're still handling the clubs, breaking sand traps, tending the flag, reading greens, uh, getting yardage, everything a traditional caddy would do. You know, we train our girls, you know, and we have some guys now too. That's why we kind of changed our name to the caddy group because we have a few guys on our team now. 
And then we did end up getting some certifications under our belt and started carrying bags in USGA sanctioned tournaments. So I've, I've carried many times and it's, it's not that hard. It's pretty easy, actually. Speak for yourself. Uh, one time I had to carry my own bag and I was like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> well, we used to throw around people in cheerleading. I mean, it's a lot lighter than human. So true. This is true. Yeah. So that's really cool. So people hire you for entertainment purposes, but really also for, you know, to help them with their golf game and actually be what a standard caddy does on the PGA Tour typically. Yes, yes. And uh, we have a wide range. And so when people call us, they're like, oh, all of your girls are scratch golfers and certified caddies. I'm like, no, you know, we have this range of uh, professional models that have light golf etiquette training to girls that do have six handicaps and are collegiate golfers. Um, on our team. So we have that broad range to just kind of cater to whatever the event is. If it's a a fun celebrity pro-am or celebrity charity tournament, then at the end of the day, they want hospitality. They want, you know, a girl in the cart that is helping with light caddying duties, but it's also like making sure the guys have a drink at all times that they're, you know, hitting up all the sponsored holes and interacting with guests. And it's, you know, it's, it's kind of like a whole experiential thing that is taken, you know, from just serving Myrtle Beach bachelor parties that are obnoxious to, um, you know, high-end celebrity family charity events um, that it just adds that extra twist to, you know, getting a, a better retention of people returning the following year for these tournaments. Wow. So as you mentioned, you work a few jobs. So the caddy girls is not your sole job. So while you're trying to kind of build the caddy girls into something, you're also trying to survive by working full-time jobs to pay the bills. Yes. Well, I, you know, my business was pretty much operating itself as of two years ago. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to take a step back and let my agents run everything because I have a really good team of people that were pretty much doing everything. And I would check in once a week and look at the booking schedule, be like, okay, all is good. And that was when I took on a full time salary position um, with the company. And I've known these people for a long time, and they've been asking me to come work for them for a long time. And I just wanted to see what that was like that life of um, stability and benefits and 401k and all of those things. So I was like, also trying to buy a house in Scottsdale, which when they look at your, you know, cell phone business, they're like, you know, just looking at the paperwork, trying to get approved for a mortgage. It's not that easy. So I was like, I'm going to get a full-time job. And I've been with them for over two years now. So overall it's, it's been pretty easy until COVID hit. And that was when everyone kind of scattered and, and went off to do their own thing. And now we just got slammed with bookings the last month. So I've been, I've been working from like sunup till 11 p.m. at night most nights, just trying to get bookings filled while working my full-time job. And it's been very stressful. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, So that kind of brings me to my next question. So as far as obstacles go, and we can kind of get to, you know, the shark taking experience, but like as far as hurdles that you had to overcome to get this business launched, to get it to where it is today, what would you say is your biggest obstacle? Was it COVID or was there other factors? Um, I would say the the biggest uphill battle has been uh, dealing with just misogynist golf pros in the industry that treat us poorly um, on the golf course. You know, we'll call and say like, hey, do you do you allow people to bring their own four caddies? And they'll be like, absolutely. And then we'll show up in a polo, in a golf score, uh, you know, at looking just like a golfer. And because we're a female, they're like, oh, no, you can't be here. Get out of here. And they treat you like crap. And that was that took a very, very long time. I mean, I've had um, golf pros make me cry before so many times on site. And it, it's just a horrible feeling that to be accused of doing something you're not when you show up and you love the game of golf and you're wearing a polo and all you want to do is like read some greens and, and and maintain the course. Like at the end of the day, we're helping these courses, uh, you know, maintain them through raking traps or fixing pitch marks. So 
it, it's been such an uphill battle because there are a lot of crappy competitor companies out there or other females that make us look bad. But that was probably the the worst part. Secondly is, you know, I'm micromanaging. We have over 500 girls on our roster from coast to coast. And um, dealing with 23-year-old models is not easy. <laughs> or college students, as you know. I know. I know. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I feel totally bad for you, and I now understand <laughs> all the pain points that you had. So, and I was pretty much the same age as you, so it was even more difficult in that aspect. Oh, yeah, no managing there. managing twenty three year old women is that kind of major. Yeah, I can imagine. Well, I did. Mm-hmm. Imagine. I saw it firsthand. But for you, yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't have five hundred. I had twenty. 25. Um, yeah, but you got to write it, run a tight ship. Like you did, like you did the right thing by being tough on us because at the end of the day, it wouldn't have helped us otherwise. And that's, you know, we have a no BS policy too. Like we have, you know, zero drama policy. We run a pretty tight ship now. I think most of our team understand our culture of that. And I see, I've seen it, you know, transform over the years into more of like a, a sisterhood of friends that of women that love each other and work together and travel together um, rather than that cattiness, no pun right. intended. So, but it took a long time and that starts from leadership at the top really of, of how you operate and run things. So it's very important when you're starting your own ship that you create a plan, you stick to it and you, and you kind of maintain, I, I don't want to say like the rules and regulations, but essentially, you know, you kind of keep it all streamlined so that people don't take advantage or you can kind of keep everything in line. And, you know, ultimately it's a privilege to work anywhere. So like, this is how we do it. If you don't like it, jump off. Exactly. Kind of thing. Exactly. Well, that's great. So um, yeah, managing that many people can't be an easy task. Um, so kind of to switch gears a little bit. So before your Shark Tank experience, what did you do? And I know this was back starting in 2007, you know, before. So, you know, well, social had kind of just Facebook, I think it just come out like in 05. And, you know, what were you doing for marketing? Like, how did you get your name out there? How did you start to build your brand? You know, the first thing I did was go to Walmart, buy some perforated business card sheets and printed out these terrible business cards on, on my, my computer at home. Uh, and it was like this just terrible, terrible quality of photos. And I started just handing them out my bar like, hey, you guys, you look like golfers. You want some caddies, you, you know, whatever. And then I would go to like Myrtle Beach National and be like, can I just drive around on the golf cart and hand out cards? And they'd be like, OK. And so that was before really social media. I know it was right around Facebook launching, but it was still like, you know, it was just like, I was just handing out these really crappy homemade cards. And then, um, you know, we would do like flyers and try to leave them at like golf courses and stuff and have little events. And what happened with us was kind of a snowball effect of Myrtle beach is a destination that these golfers go to every year. It's their thing. They go once or twice a year, spring and fall. And so we just started building up these clientele every year, single year, they come back and they hire us again. So even when I tried to stop running the company, because I, I wanted to move to New York City and work in theater and I was doing makeup artistry and living in Manhattan, these golfers were still calling me at like 7 a.m. Like, hey, we're back in town this year. And I'm like, oh, I just got out of work at 4 a.m. because I was working for Tau Group. And I was like, so what is going on? And then like someone said to me, like, Megan, you're an idiot. Like you have business and you're not even spending any money on marketing or anything. And you have money falling in your lap and you're not taking advantage of this. Do you know how hard it is to build a business? And I was like, all right. So then I tried really hard and like went full force and like got a new website, applied to Shark Tank. And then we ended up on Shark Tank like eight months later. So, yeah. So tell me about that. I did see you on Shark Tank probably multiple times. Every time it's on, record it. <laughs> every year is like every six months. It's the gift that keeps on giving. 
uh, we always know because it's always like 9 p.m. at night and I'm like two drinks in when I get a bunch of emails and like weirdos <laughs> that are messaging me. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, you know, that was, someone kept mentioning, like, go on Shark Tank. I was like, no, that's weird. And then I filled out all the paperwork and, and I had it like stamped in the backseat of my car. And then I was like, this is so stupid. They would never pick me. And I never sent it in. And then like one night after a couple glasses of wine, I was like, I'm just going to email them. So I just like emailed them like with a buzz. And then they called me from casting like a week later send in your paperwork. Okay. And just kept going. And it was like something over like 30,000 applicants that year. And then it goes down to like a little over a hundred that make the show. So they kept saying like, you made it to the next round. You're in the top 1500. I'm like, what? Are you serious? And they're like, Oh, you're in the top 500. I was like, really? And they're like, yeah, you're like on top of it. Like you get all your stuff done same day and we really like it and you know what you're doing. And I was like, okay. (laughs) So it just, you know, and then they like, here's your tickets to Culver City, California, you're going to film. And then you get out there and you're like, okay, now you got to pitch in front of all of the executives and, and the producers to make sure that you're TV worthy. If you suck, you go home. So that was nerve wracking. I think I was more nervous for that than going in front of the actual sharks. Gotcha. Um, well, you do so, have charisma about you, so I have no doubt that you well done. I think... <laughs> Cheerleading helped, man. Like being on stage for nationals and in front of a crowd my whole life cheering, yeah. that made me feel so much more comfortable under those spotlights in front of the sharks, 100%. And, and the day I filmed with them, it was a Sunday. It was Father's Day. They were all in a super good mood. I got them after lunch, so they were happy. Awesome. Um, and they were, they were very kind. I was in there for over an hour. They didn't, you know, they only whittle it down to about 10 minutes, I think. So they're just drilling you with questions when you're in there and I had been preparing for six months, so I felt really good when I went in there. I spent every waking second preparing for that moment, so I felt I felt good about it, as good as I could do. You did great. You were. I was Thank very you. impressed. I was very impressed. And yeah, no, you're right. Just even in everyday life, like my motto now is five, six, seven, eight. Like, let's go. Let's get it rolling. <laughs> Don't stop. Yes. It's literally hanging in my office. The numbers five, <laughs> six, seven, eight across the wall. I'll send you a picture. But yeah, it's just, you know, being on the stage and being able to perform, it just really helps you to be a performer. And, and I definitely accredit my success to, you know, starting there as well. Um, but yeah, for you especially, that must have been so exciting to just be in front of, you know, Mark Cuban and all those people. Yeah. And I, I mean, I was so nervous, like leading up to it, the weeks I couldn't sleep, I kept having nightmares that, you know how they like, give those nightmares where you can't tumble in a cheerleading routine and you like collapse. I used to have those all the time. So I had uh, all these nightmares that I would like go in front of the sharks and nothing was coming out of my mouth and I couldn't talk. And so, and then finally the night before I just prayed to God, I was like, just let me not be nervous. Everything else I have in the bag, just help my nerves. And I woke up cool as a cucumber and I felt really good. And, um, I tried to just like, no matter what, I'm just going to be myself and say what I know and, and try to be as confident as I can. And, Again, they were like really nice and easy to talk to. And they gave me all these suggestions, even that didn't, you know, error that I think was beneficial to my company. So I, I felt like I got a lot out of it. But they did not. They offered you a ridiculous deal that you couldn't accept, right? Kevin O'Leary offered me uh, 50. He wanted 50% of my company. So then yeah. Mark Cuban's yelling at me like, Megan, counteroffer, counteroffer. And I'm like, no, screw him. And he's like, counteroffer. So I counteroffered, um, and then he was like, no, 50%. And I was like, I'm good. And I just walked away. But I mean, I really wasn't expecting to get the deal, let alone be on the show ever. Right. So I couldn't have been more thrilled. Like 8 million people saw my business overnight. So could have never paid for that type of marketing. Absolutely. I was going to say that's kind of the best marketing, whether they whether you took a deal or didn't take a deal, um, it still was 
beneficial just to be on there. So, so then from there, so you said that was about six years ago and now it, the reruns are airing. So that's really helping, you know, with marketing. Are you doing any other marketing at all? You know, the only focus that we have um, is, is our social media and we don't even really do paid posts for social media. We just have a lot of organic growth. We do have a, you know, we use constant contact to send out a, a newsletter every two months to our database of golfers. But other than that, a lot of it's word of mouth. I would say Instagram is kind of like a main focus for us. And we have our intern team working on that um, regularly and Facebook a little bit. Um, but that's that's where a lot of our, our growth and, and exposures come from is Instagram lately. Nice. Wow. So Megan, you are also involved in a nonprofit organization. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yes. So in about the year after I was on Shark Tank, we grew 600% year over year um, after the show aired. So we had grown tremendous amount. Um, I wanted in some way to like give back or just, I I worked all these charity tournaments and I never saw like directly where the money went or what the cause was for. I just didn't feel fulfilled doing all these charity events. So I was like, I'm going to go to a third world country every fall and just like volunteer for a couple of weeks. So in 2015, I started Females Aiding Through Mentorship. So it's called FAM. And we offer free seminars and workshops for young women um, because I realized through my business that a lot of girls, you know, even in college, just weren't learning some basic life skills like filing your taxes, um, updating your resume, um, just finance finances and how to manage your finances to we did self-defense classes for them before we just try to offer all these different ways but we also want to incentivize these girls to start volunteering and giving back at a younger age and and getting involved in in some things that are less superficial especially in the wake of social media so i uh took a team of 12 caddy girls in 2015 to guatemala we did two weeks of volunteering there and my project that i was assigned to is called project genesis and i've never I had never, first of all, been to a third world country before, and I had never seen something so raw and real that's not just some foo-foo charity of like, here you go, like go hand out soups. Like it was like we're riding in the back of the truck through dangerous town where there's like all these murderers and gangs and and things. And uh, these kids don't have running water. They don't have Internet. um, They don't have access to just like basic, basic needs. Um, And I had never seen that before. So. I fell in love with these kids. I went back in the following February, three months later for a month on my own alone and just volunteered with them every day. And then a year later, I bought a house down there because I was going so often. I was I was going for months at a time to work with these kids and volunteer. So from there, we've brought over 30 categories to date to uh, volunteer with the, the kids. And now I'm like, I think I'm their main lead volunteer Um, And and then I work with an orphanage there called Luz de Maria Orphanage. And I've been volunteering with them for two years. So sometimes I'll do two projects in one day. Um, But that's just give you a whole perspective on like how like all these little minor things here and annoyances are really nothing. So it really just helped me more than it probably helped these kids, quite frankly. Yeah. And and after you go there for like a couple of weeks, you're like here, you're like, nothing's that big of a deal. Like we have it really, really, really great here. And we're super lucky. That's really awesome. That's Thanks. awesome that you took that initiative and that you were able to help all those girls and really, you know, bring some clarity to, you know, your business and your employees so that they can kind of see everything and not take things for granted. So that's really impressive. Um, thank you for sharing that with us. Just wanted to touch on one more thing before we wrap up. So you had mentioned first started that 
there was a lot of golf pros that were mean to you and misogynistic. And I know women have come a long way in the past 15 years. And, you know, where there's more powerful women, you know, hence even the start of this podcast, interviewing women who are have been successful or powerful and really kind of taking a stand and marching through all of the pre-stigmatisms. So now from where you started to where you are now, how would you say that culture has kind of changed, shifted? I, I do feel like we as a company have generally earned their respect um, in, in most aspects, but we still deal with that all the time. And it's usually quite frankly, like somewhere in like old, old, you know, old man, South Carolina, Charleston, uh, where this is like the good old boys club and girls don't belong here. And it's, it's like wild that that parts of South Carolina is still living in that aspect. <laughs> um, California people, super cool. They're like, yeah, great. Show up, have a good time. Um, it just, it really depends on the area, but I have seen, you know, we gained a lot more respect. Shark Tank uh, legitimized us a hundred percent. And then just working with all these different charities and working with families and volunteering and giving back that it's people like, oh yeah, they're not doing bad things. They're actually like a legitimate company. I see the girls out there fixing divots and pitch marks and it just, it, it did take a long time. But I also think that people are more wary of what they say because of all the attention to women empowerment in the last five years and that maybe they're taking a step back and thinking about what they're going to say before they say it <laughs> because a there could be a camera rolling around right b you can just go on social media and blast them which i will do if they treat me like crap on their course right so um i think that people are have been checked more you know more so lately and we have a voice and we can stand up when we are treated poorly um and then you have really good people that do fight for you and, and uh, have your back. So that's awesome. And um, so just talking to women, young girls in college, uh, older, any generation that are trying to really kind of make a mark with business or otherwise, uh, what would you say would be your most pertinent advice to share with them? I would say, I mean, persistence is the most important thing by far because most, you know, one out of 10 businesses succeed at all because they don't wait for that two year mark of turning profit. Um, and in order to turn a profit, you need to also watch your overhead um, because overhead is a choice at the end of the day. So I ran my business with zero overhead for six years, like wow. nothing. So that was how I was able to stay in business and continue and continue. And I had all these other jobs and forms of income. So persistence is, is key in, in just staying the course and making asks and having courage to make the ask uh, of things that you need or things you want to do and just speak up. And patience. You need a lot of that, right? Yeah. Especially yeah. Because mm -hmm. you're not going to start. You're not just going to hear the cha-chings overnight. You know, as soon as you start, it's kind of going to take a Yeah. While. People think that it's instant gratification syndrome. Uh, it's, it's so I, I speak at CCU all the time to business students. I'm like, look, like, don't even count on making a profit until two-year mark. Just don't. Don't just count on being broke for two years when you start a business. It's okay because everyone just wants everything instantly these days. Oh, I know. Especially being in the digital marketing era, like oh. you know, digital consumers have higher expectations and they want what they want when they want it immediately. And, and they are used yeah. to getting it. Everybody gets that now because especially with the internet, you could pretty much find out anything with the click of a button. So, so can you just tell us, you know, how we can find the Caddy Girls. You guys are nationwide, right? Yeah, we operate uh, wherever the need may be. Um, our website is www.thecaddygirls.com. That's C-A-D-D-Y. 
you can also follow us on any social media, which is at the Caddy Girls, and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Awesome. Yeah, so if anybody needs some some caddies with some expertise, and I have to say, I've seen some videos, and your golf swing has gotten really good. You're you're a golfer too, though. I've I seen you. you yes, I love <laughs> it. Yeah, I'm obsessed now, and I want to I want to be better. And then I've never taken a lesson in my life to this day. It's just from like caddying and picking up tips and and golfing out there, but I need a lesson for sure. Yeah, no, lessons are great. I used to actually worked at Arcadian Shores Golf Course in Myrtle, North mm-hmm. Myrtle, and uh, took some lessons from some of the pros there who were pretty awesome. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a plus to take some lessons because, you know, you think like, oh my God, I never even knew I was doing that. But yeah, no, we should definitely, if you're ever in the Jersey Shore area, we should 100% go uh, swing some clubs. Yes, let's tee it up. Alrighty. Well, thank you so much for being on our show. Um, this was definitely very educational and informative, and hopefully some people will uh, kind of take some notes as to how to really rise in the business and be successful as a woman. Thank you. Appreciate it. The conversation is brought to you by Single Throw Marketing. If you're interested in being a guest on our show, email what she said at conversation, C-O-N-V-H-E-R-S-A-T-I-O-N, Again, I'm your host, Gina Simeone. Listen to us every other week, and thanks for listening.